Monday already. Feels like I just left you guys. Feels like I just walked out the door five minutes ago, and here it is. Well, anyway, it's good to be back. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll, great show planned as usual. Brian plans great shows. I execute it mm, 25% of the time. Yeah, is that too much of an exaggeration? We are in a few minutes going to talk to the attorney for that man that uh, by now you've seen San Bernardino Bernardino County uh, Sheriff's deputies giving him uh, one unbelievable beating. And we're going to talk to him about a couple of things I still scratch my head a little bit about. Just some of the details on, for example, does he have a theory on why these cops did what they did when there's a media helicopter flying overhead? Is there any kind of past contact between them and this guy? I mean, why, why did this happen? Why? And it just, and how's he doing? It's one of the things we'll get to. That's all coming up. I think it's because we've seen cops do this time after time and get away with it. Yeah, but the, I mean, everything not, is on not, videotape these days. If you're, but that's what I'm saying. Even with video, helicopter like, overhead, even with video, though, that's what you think they don't guy, care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they, they, you know, Kelly Thomas, they, no, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna walk. Well, Kelly Thomas was dark. There wasn't anyone really close. This was broad daylight with a helicopter right overhead, and it's not one of those kind of subtle. Even the I can't breathe guy, you could at least say maybe the cop just was overzealous and. Didn't realize, but these guys, there's like 10 guys. Yeah, this wasn't a lot of jostling like no, we've seen in the past. This is straight up. You saw his leg go back and yeah. go forward multiple times. And I'm certainly not suggesting that this was all cops. No, I think but you I'm are. Just meaning a lot I think of- you're excusing the cops, Todd. <laughs> I think that's who you are. You're an apologist for the cops. Listen, I think I'm no. probably one of the more open-minded people uh, around here when it comes to cops. I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But I just I just don't see where any kind of resistance kicks in. or I just The whole thing is baffling to me. Anyway, the attorney is going to join us. In the next minute or two here, and we'll uh, we'll get some details on that. And then, uh, then we have a great story coming up after that about how there's a move in this state to try to stop deporting illegal immigrants who've been arrested on drug charges. Why? Why? Who wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I want to do? I want to take people who have already cheated the system and shown that they were fundamentally dishonest for whatever reason – and then they broke in another rule, and I'm going to find a way to fight to keep them in the country. I just don't get the logic, but we're going to talk about that. We'll talk to someone from the Center for Immigration Studies about that. But I'll explain what it is in California and why it's coming up. So that's all to do. There's a lot to do. And uh, then, of course, we'll go deep. We'll spend two hours on the presidential election. We have Marco Rubio and Hillary Clinton. All right. No, we're really seriously not going to do that. I, do you have the stomach for a presidential race yet? I, not me. And if you're Hillary Clinton, shouldn't you maybe announce you're running in the last five minutes? I mean, it's not like she has to go out there and campaign, so we'll figure out who she is. Just open up your emails. We'll figure out who you are. Would be, you know, I, I mean, I really don't. Well, I she just, had to make it formal because of some of the steps she's already No, taken. I understand. Yeah. I understand. But that the media is making such a big deal of it. I'm looking <laughs> around at all the monitors in front of me right now. Hillary Clinton's on every one of them. Well, you know what I found funny we're is gonna, that, we're really going to start this debate now about they, who the next didn't we just elect reelect President Obama five minutes ago? And they said yesterday that within like hours of her announcing or sending out that video, that her Twitter following jumped up three million. Who are these people that didn't know who she was or oh, didn't follow her Clinton, before? I, am, I guess now people are excited about the race. So if you're expecting me to spend a lot of time on it, uh, don't bother. Not today. I mean, it's not, we won't ignore it entirely. When when something interesting or relevant happens, then we'll do it. But in the meantime, uh, I'm not going to spend the next 
three hours of the show talking about something that is absolutely no surprise to anybody. What difference does it make? None. That's the whole point. San Bernardino County uh, High Desert was the place. And this police beating that we've all seen is just, I mean, we've seen police beating up citizens before, but this just seems so reckless and bizarre. To talk to us about it is uh, the lawyer for 30-year-old Francis Pusak, who uh, is the victim in this case, although he's facing some criminal uh, charges of his own. He's got some problems to deal with his own. But his attorney's name is Jim Terrell. And uh, we have him on a cell phone right now, and the quality is a little sketchy. So turn your radio up a little bit, and uh, we'll hope that you can understand most of it. I had a conversation with him a couple of minutes ago, and he's a lot of interesting things to say, okay? So I want you to, to hear that. But So we're going to do our best here with the cell phone quality. Uh, Jim, tell us first, how's your client doing? Uh, right now, is that uh, Francis is having some uh, some problems. He's doing well if you consider how badly he was beaten or have you. But essentially, he's got a lot of trauma to his head. He has a problem with balance. He also has some problems with speech. And we have uh, some fears that there's going to be some very long-term effects of the beating that he took. Are most of his injuries around his head and face? No, they're all over his body. Um, in fact, I'm going to release some photographs here this soon. But, you know, he's got wounds all over his body and his back and his sides. Uh, he's got uh, all kinds of contusions. The places where the skin is kind of taken off from the boot kicks and what have you in different parts of his body. But the part that is so dangerous, where if you watch that video, you can see that there's massive head uh, kicks to him repeatedly in his head. And uh, that's what we're most mostly uh, concerned about and we're very, very fearful of the long-term effect. Can you tell me what his uh, legal situation is? Is there going to be an arraignment this afternoon? I saw I saw mixed stories about that. Yes. Uh, right now, it's our belief is that there's not going to be uh, an arraignment right now, and I believe is that when uh, he bailed out, have you had a chance to talk to Francis about what was going through his head that day, why he decided to run, and uh, how he how he managed to find himself on horseback? Did he give you any details about that? Yeah, I, I, could, I could go this way with you. Is Francis and the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department have had a, a little bit of a run-in, and at the end of each run-in that they've had, when I say run-in, I mean he's been beaten up severely and charged with a lot of things that turned out to be uh, just bad cases and being overcharged. He has been beat up and he's in fear of his life when he sees the, uh, uh, the deputies come around. In this particular case, they were to execute a warrant in the house nearby. He was nearby them. He saw them coming. He ran. And uh, it's kind of a, almost like the, uh, the defense of necessity. He knew what would happen uh, if they got a hold of him. He finally did get a hold of him, and his worst fears uh, came out. How did he get a horse? When uh, I believe he was on uh, the motorcycle, and there was a horse that was there, and he was on uh, someone else's horse and riding away. Yeah. You know, this is where I uh, I usually jump in to try to ask the, like, the devil's advocate questions about what he possibly was doing and how you explain what the deputies uh, we're doing what they were doing. I'm having real trouble finding that. But but I guess the good news maybe for you is it doesn't sound like I'm hearing many people making excuses, including the sheriff, the county sheriff, who, you know, everyone who's seen the tape seems to think this was way overboard. Let me just say this is that I don't know how you can look at that tape and not know that 
that uh, it's way overboard. And, and regardless of what anyone has done in our country, when somebody listens to the officer and submits and puts a hand behind your back, kicking him viciously, beating him, and any one of those kicks uh, could have been a life-threatening, pop was life-threatening, uh, a blow. And then that's our police officers there. And uh, so it's, it's a very, very bad situation altogether. And it goes and talks about is that all these officers uh, out there in, in malicious intent? Because when I look at that and I see it, when I watched it, I kept saying to myself, oh, my God, they've got to stop. They've got to stop. And more and more kept coming and, uh, and beating with them. All right, we'll stop there because we'll take a break. But you don't see him resisting. And clearly, I mean, this was this was an unbelievable beating. So let's ask Jim Terrell what he wants and what his client wants to happen to these deputies. There are about 10 of them. We'll get into that coming up next. I'll be back in a second here. I just, I'm writing a letter to Ron Bertolucci about how much the Bill Carroll show sucks. Not a bad idea, Conway. I'm, I'm on that. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Coming up at 11.05, we're one of the top neurologists, neurosurgeons in the country is going to talk to us about this new study. We've got this maybe breakthrough understanding of people who have near-death experiences. And it's about how the brain and the body function or don't function at the time of near death. Really interesting stuff. So unless you don't care about dying, you know, if that that kind of thing doesn't interest you, then you won't find it fascinating. I, however, worry every day about dying. I'm obsessed with dying. Crozier's giving me the look like, yeah, the rest of us are obsessed with you dying too, Bill. But don't get your hopes up, Crozier. It's not going to happen anytime soon. At least not before the end of this conversation we're right in the middle of here. Uh, yeah, if you've seen the videotape, and I'm sure by now you have, you got these these deputies, 10 of them or so, uh, taking down this guy who was on horseback, San Bernardino County, high desert. And uh, there are all kinds of new angles to this, including maybe a, a somebody overheard police radio, and it sounded like the dispatcher was kind of warning the guys. There's an open mic. There's an open mic. Plus, you just have the whole mystery of there's a helicopter flying above. Why would you do this when there's a pretty good chance it's going to be videotaped in broad daylight? So to get some of the answers, and we've already got some of the background about the, some sort of history between the sheriff's department and uh, the, the man, the 30-year-old man who was beaten, Francis Pusak. It sounds like they had a history, and uh, we've just started to hear some of that from his attorney, Jim Terrell, who is on the line with us right now. He's heading, to head out, heading out to do a, a press conference. And so... The question is that we don't see him resisting in any way, and you have all of these deputies involved. Some of them may be more guilty than others, or there's an expectation somebody should have stepped in and said, no, I mean, all of that stuff. So what does Francis, what do you and your client want to happen next to these deputies? Well, is that, first of all, I was relieved to hear that the FBI is going to come in and do an investigation. Now, this matter is going to be the same thing. They'll take a look at that and see what each individual did, uh, there's not only a duty as a police officer to do and protect, but protect them from other police officers. So uh, just about anyone that was out there that wasn't stopping uh, this violence, when you watch it, I didn't see anyone run over and say, stop it, guys, knock it off. Not one person. They all came over and joined in. They became a part of the problem. They went over there and they kicked and they stopped. And, you know, it's surprising. I cannot tell you how many police officers I have that have uh, contacted us 
for different media to how outraging our police officers and uh, to see this go on and go on for the duration of the year. Well, it's kind of hard not to be. Uh, have you? Do you have any information about this report on the weekend that there was uh, somebody had overheard on a police radio, a dispatcher maybe saying to be careful that the microphone was open? Yes, is that one of the reports that, that we received and had in the news and we're hoping since the sheriff's supposed to be open, and by the way, when I say open transparent, we still haven't got the deputy team at all, not one of those, but... The point is, is that we need to take if we, the public, are going to look at this, not just this, as the attorney representing this one, but as the public, we need to find out exactly what happened with the whole area. Now, we've had two different people come in and tell us that there's a space with the mic's open, the mic, the open mic, open mic, open mic, open mic. Somebody's making the gestures that they're, they're kicking at the time. So uh, we'll be able to take a look at that as soon as we get the uh, 911 tip. But we'd also like the belt case uh, and anything else that we have. We certainly have uh, the helicopter's uh, video. Can I ask you just that one last thing, and then uh, the microphone quality on your end is not that great, so I'm going to let you go. But can you think of any way to explain that this went on while the whole thing was being taped? Is it just simply that they wouldn't have been aware that there's a helicopter overhead? Because I just can't believe that nobody looked up and said, you know, we got to behave professionally. We're being taped. Yeah, I think what, what happened there is that uh, one thing I do know is is that as the pursuit was going on, there was a use of a sheriff helicopter to bring people in. And they were more or less transporting some people and bringing them to different places along the uh, pursuit. So the helicopter was being used, and it was a sheriff's helicopter that most most everybody had saw or been involved in. And I think that when the news helicopter showed up, there was an assumption that made that the helicopter above was a police helicopter and certainly not a media. Well, that makes some sense. Thanks for talking to us today. We appreciate it. Hey, I'm a big fan of your show, so thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Jim Terrell, who's the attorney for uh, Francis Pusak, 30-year-old man, beaten by those sheriff's deputies uh, in the San Bernardino County high desert. And that, it's a tough area you got to sell. He was going through the pass on his way into Victorville. And uh, anyone who's ever spoken on a cell there knows it can be tough to hear. No, honey, no, I'm going to Vegas with the boys. But I don't want you to go there. I can't. I can't hear you. You have to come back. We need help with the kids. Honey, you're breaking up. I, I'll call you from Vegas. We've all been through that, haven't we? It's just so tough to hear anything that's going on there. Okay, a lot of information I think we got out of his attorney stuff that I hadn't heard before anyway. All right, coming up next. Uh, okay, so this is the next thing we're doing. Uh, we're going to stop deporting illegal immigrants on drug charges if if they have their way. We'll tell you what that's all about coming up. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Here's what they're working on in Sacramento right now, the latest thing to help people who are in the country uh, legally sometimes, sometimes illegally. As I understand it, we'll get clarification on here in a minute just in case I'm wrong. But the idea is that uh, what happens now, there's kind of a disconnect between state law and federal law. Under state law, if you're caught with a little bit of pot or ecstasy or something, the L.A. Times did a story on this the way they always do it. They give you a guy named Jesus. There's always a guy. You know, you want to make it human. 
who was arrested for ecstasy possession. He came to this country with his family. He was brought here. He didn't decide. He was brought here illegally. And now he's married, and he's almost finished the whole legal process. He married a U.S. citizen. And now just because of this one ecstasy possession, he could lose it all. He could actually be deported. And then that's where I'm supposed to weep on cue. I feel my eyes welling up. And, and But, okay, but I don't weep because I think, all right, so you've been in the country illegally. You've been living under the radar for all these years. Now you got married to a U.S. citizen. You're in the middle of a process that could make you a legal resident and citizen of this country. How about this is a good time not to break any rules? Hey, but want to buy some ecstasy? Seriously, dude, I'm, you know, I'm almost legal. I'm not doing anything to jeopardize that. I'm not going to do it. You take someone like me who is a legal resident in the United States, but not quite eligible to become a citizen, this close. I'm not going to carry your pot for you. Just not going to do it. Grozier calls me up and says, hey, Bill, got a house party going on. Can you bring me a little weed? You know what I'm going to say to him? Listen, I'm this close being a U.S. citizen, I could be deported. But you can be my mule. Yeah, I'm not going to be your mule. I'm going to obey all the rules. That's what I'm going to do because it's a privilege to be here. I don't know. Maybe is that a distorted view I have of things? Because I think in California it is. I think my view is the minority view now in California. That, all right, you know, be a good, be a good guy. Don't get yourself in trouble. And the disconnect between state law and federal law is that in this state, you can you can uh, enter a guilty plea and then they send you to some kind of drug rehab. So you go into a program and then it's kind of wiped clean, except it's not, according to the federal government, wiped clean. Jessica Vaughn is with the Center for Immigrant Studies and joins us right now. Thanks for talking to us, Jessica. My pleasure. Am I understanding the bill correctly? This, this would impact on people who are in the country legally and illegally? Yes, although um, most people who are here legally um, uh, do not face deportation unless they've been convicted of a felony or three misdemeanors, uh, which so this law doesn't affect them uh, terribly. Although drug offenses are usually treated more seriously under immigration law than other kinds of misdemeanors. Okay, so but then it could possibly impact you even if you are a green card holder, a legal resident. It could have consequences. Those cases are pretty rare. I mean, right. the, the people who are who are backing and pushing this bill always find the most sympathetic example they can find of a drug offender, which is somebody who's been living here for a long time and has a green card. And they they would like us to believe that most of the cases affected by this would be green card holders. But in fact, it's, this really is going to affect more illegal immigrants, and, and they're the ones that would benefit the most because they would essentially be able to walk away from prosecution and deportation. Um, it's it's not, you know, it's... it's well, but the argument, Jessica, is, you know, you're right. They pick a sympathetic person like uh, Jesus Cordero, which they're writing about in one of the articles I just quoted from. And, you know, he seems otherwise a good guy, and he just married a U.S. citizen, and he's almost through the process to become legal, his status legalized. So the poor guy just had a little ecstasy on him. And that seems to work on a lot of people. They hear that and go, well, you know, eh, there for the grace of God who hasn't had to smoke a little pot or done a little, you know. But to me, it's if you're in an exceptional situation, and that is that you're hanging on by your fingernails to being in this country, then it's your job to stay out of any kind of trouble. 
That's right. We have no shortage of legal immigrants who never have any involvement in drugs or other crimes. And it, I think most people are a little bit astounded that we would actually want to make exceptions for people like this. Although the case in this article, there probably is another way to address his situation without changing the law so that all the thousands of illegal alien drug offenders um, benefit as well. So, you so know, what do you think it is, Jessica? It's just politics. It's just this makes us look sympathetic, and we hope we'll continue to have the, the support of immigrants and their families when they they get the legal right to vote. And it just it's just that you're just pandering. Now, this is another in uh, a very carefully orchestrated series of initiatives to basically make it very very difficult for illegal aliens to get deported, even if they've been involved in criminal activity, even if they're involved in drugs. Uh, The idea is to essentially try to negate most immigration law enforcement so that only people like axe murderers who are here (laughs) illegally get deported. Um, You know, it's, it's a way to erase our immigration laws without getting Congress to pass legislation, because, of course, Congress would never pass anything like this. Yeah. Well, see, I, I happen to agree with you, and it's hard for me to push you on this. But let me let me try anyway, okay? Let me try, because this is what I think the argument, part of the argument is. Look, if you were born and raised in this country and you live here legally, we've all made mistakes. Drugs are a fairly minor thing. It's not a big deal. So if state law is willing to forgive people and give them a pass if they go into treatment, then why would federal law punish them? In other words, we're just just treating people like we treat everybody else. It's not a big deal. In this case, it's a little ecstasy. Well, two reasons. First of all, the practical reality is, is if you allow an illegal alien offender of any kind to walk away from prosecution, the problem is, as the district attorneys understand, if they don't go to their diversion program or skip out of their treatment, which is a condition of this leniency, they're going to be off into the woodwork, and they're not going to be able to impose the consequences for the original drug offense and for them skipping out on this second chance that they've been given. So the, that's the practical reality is we'll never see them again. But the the real question here for me is that, you know, Crime, and especially drug crimes, are are not jobs Americans won't do. There's just no logical reason to make exceptions for people who are in the country in defiance of our laws to begin with. Uh, Anybody who's here illegally is potentially subject to deportation, and and those who, who cross the law in other ways should be a top priority for enforcement. And if we can't deport drug offenders, who, who can we deport? It's, See, but this is, the, this is the point, though, Jessica. We always hear the argument that other than being in the country illegally, we're dealing with mostly hardworking people who are just trying to make a better life for themselves. And I think that's that's true to a large degree, especially I have sympathy for people who were children and brought across the border by parents and had no choice and know nothing about life other than living in this country. I actually have a lot of sympathy for them. But... I love the way you put it. I I want you to say it again if you can remember that the argument is, you know, they're doing jobs Americans won't do. But how did you say it? Using illegal drugs? Crime is not a job Americans won't do. We have enough, you know, I mean, there's just no reason to 
make exceptions. We have more than enough people who are being sponsored by family members or employers who never have any involvement in crime of any kind who should be more of a priority for leniency or for, you know, getting status than people in this category. We don't need to scrape the bottom of the barrel for immigrants. Crime is not a job Americans won't do. I guess the argument would be, but these aren't really crimes. It's just drug offenses. It's no big deal. Uh, And uh, I would counter argue it doesn't matter. You knew it was against the law. If you can't at least respect the rest of the laws of the country, then maybe you're not as good a citizen, potential citizen, as people like to say you are. Thanks for talking to us, Jessica. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Jessica Vaughn is uh, with the Center for Immigrant Studies, Immigration Studies. We did reach out to uh, the Center for Immigrant Resources. Get the other side. We did not get a response. Uh, But, of course, we'd put them on if they did come. But, yeah, you know, to use the analogy I've used before, it's, you know, you're a guest in my house. Behave well. Don't break things. Don't smoke in my house. Take off your shoes before you walk on my carpet if I ask you to do that. But especially if you came in uninvited, if you're a party crasher, and I look at you and go, well, all right, I'm in a good mood, so I'll put up with the fact that you came to this party without being invited. Now you really better make sure that you're the best person at that party. You better be helping out, clean the dishes afterwards. You better be on your best behavior. You better be the best guest at the party. You can't be the one saying, hey, let's break some stuff. By the way, man, I brought some ecstasy. You're an uninvited guest. Keep a low profile is what I would say. All right, coming up next, a video that's really gone viral now, taken in Victorville, of a baby being hit with what looks like some kind of tablet, like uh, not, not the one that Moses brought down, but like an iPad or something like that. You can't really tell up close, but... It's really pretty shocking to see it. We'll talk about that coming up next. It's always people who are like five years behind and trying to sound smart that use that. Those kinds of phrases. At the end of the day, irregardless. Yeah, it's not really a word, irregardless. Cafe AM 640, Bill Carroll, coming up at 11.05. The new science behind the near-death experience. And this is really interesting, and we got a great guy to talk about it, Dr. Neil Martin, who is chair of the UCLA Neurology Department. He knows the brain. So if you've ever had a near-death experience or talked to someone, you know, we think that those people are closer to God than we've been, and that they might have some of the answers to the only question in the end that matters. But do they? Or has science explained it? We're going to talk about that coming up at 11.05. There are uh, 22, 23,000 views of this uh, YouTube video last time I looked earlier today. It's actually been up since Thursday. The incident happened on Wednesday, and it happened in Victorville. And, uh, boy, it looks like the guy who shot it has his own YouTube channel. He's got a lot of different videos. This one probably is his biggest one so far. But I'll tell you what's happened because he shot this video in a Victorville parking lot, a store parking lot. There's now an investigation of possible child abuse. What we see in this video is a woman hitting a three-year-old kid in the face with what looks like a computer tablet, like an iPad or something. You see the woman in the video. 
And her name is 39-year-old Yvonne Camargo, according to the Victorville Police Department. They sent out a news release last week on it. The guy who posted the video says this is the nanny of the child, but police is saying, no, we're not releasing the relationship between the child and the and the woman. Maybe that's just part of protecting the identity of the child. And in the video, the child's face is actually blurred out. But what happens, the video kind of picks up with this child already in a parking lot, standing next to a car, screaming and crying very loudly. And uh, she's wiping the kid's face with a napkin or something. And then finally loads the kid into the back seat of the car and then wipes his uh, face a little bit more. And then grabs this tablet from, it looks like sitting on the ledge on the back seat, you know, by the back window. Grabs the tablet and then just kind of smacks the kid in the side of the face with it. You can see the video for yourself at KFIM640.com, the Bill Carroll page, or on our line page. If you want to go check out the line app, we'll put it there for you. The video was shot by a man in a parking lot on Bear Valley Road around 6 p.m. last Wednesday. And after the kid's whacked in the face, you hear a woman who's with the guy who's taking the video. The guy and the woman confront her. She she doesn't even notice that she's being taped for a really long time. She's totally distracted by this kid who's no doubt having a temper tantrum. And the most important question, I guess, to me when I saw it was, why is he videotaping in the first place? What happened already? He says that she had dragged the kid out of the store by the hair. So here's what happens. In the parking lot now, she's wiping the kid's tears. And then you hear the smack there? Hey, why are you hitting that kid like that? Hey. Why are you hitting that little baby? Why are you hitting him like that? You can go to jail for that. Is that a little boy or a little girl? It's a little boy. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, we have your license plate number. Yeah, f*** you, bitch. Hitting a innocent kid that can't protect herself. How do you feel? Hitting a kid that can't protect herself. You just got what if someone grabbed you by your hair and f***ing threw you around, you ugly bitch. dumb don't even talk to her. Don't even say nothing to her. I don't know if I'd been able to let her get away. I don't know. I would have tried to keep her there and called the police rather than just do the videotape thing. Easy to second guess somebody else. But I got to tell you, you look at it. I'm not saying she hit the kid really, really hard in the face. That doesn't matter. You don't get to hit the kid in the face with a computer tablet. It's more of a little smack. But she'd already dragged the kid out by the hair. And as a dad, it is so unbelievably disturbing. And I got so angry watching it that it would be all I could do not to slap the woman in the face. I guess they did the right thing. You know, they got the license plate, and now the woman is facing charges, and uh, protective services has been called. All, all the right stuff has happened since then. But anyway, go check it out for yourself. It's on our, our Line app. You can download the Line app uh, free from your favorite app store or KFIM640.com on the Bill Carroll page. Coming up, the new science behind near-death experiences one of the top neurologists in the world is going to talk to us about this coming up. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.